Hang on there one second. Let's go ahead and take a minute to pay the bills. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had so many questions. How do I record an episode? Where do I find background music? How do I get my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other places that you like to listen to podcasts? Where do I find advertisers? The answer to every single one of those questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing, and monetizing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and 100% ridiculously easy to use. So if you're always wanted to start a podcast, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. The following podcast has not been rated. Listening to Fullbacks are people too. The fact. And here's your host, CJ Newman. Hey, hey, hey. You're listening to Fullbacks are people too. The fact. Y'all thought we were dead, ladies and gentlemen. The Fapt is back on the air, and this week I've got with me two of my favorites. Back on the show, I've got Recliner QB. Bobby, how the hell are you? I'm doing great, CJ. How the hell are you? I can't complain, man. I just uh, started a new job. I just walked the stage for school. I turned 30. It's been a hell of a May, let me tell you. So what's Congratulations uh, for all that. What's going on in the life of uh, Bobby? Uh, man, just uh, as y'all know, a little bit been slammed with work because my company had our um, year end. So that's uh, being in sales slash sales support. That just gets me hammered. So I'm absolutely excited since that ended to go ahead and get back into football. Oh, I should probably also mention uh, last weekend I celebrated my eight year wedding anniversary with my uh, amazing and beautiful wife. Fuck yeah, dude. Congratulations. That Thank is you. Awesome. That is no thing to shit upon. That is wow. Eight years. People don't almost fifteen years this. together. My goodness, I am proud of you guys. That is awesome. So, uh, not to leave my other buddy hanging here. Um, what the fuck is your Twitter handle nowadays? Um, it's uh, CCS the Real Forno. Uh, some buddies and I started our own uh, football website. Oh, right on CCS the Real Forno. All right. So, uh, Tyler, how the hell you been? Well, they tried to wish me dead once. It still hasn't happened. So we're, uh, we're still alive and we're still kicking, but life is good up here in Minnesota. It's actually warm now. Wow. That's unlike the North, but okay. Um, warm, hell, we're in the 90s here in Texas. Yeah, now we're, in, we're probably going to be in the mid-80s today. Yeah, we're, we're about the mid-80s here. So um, got the AC cranking here in the middle of, uh, well, actually, wow, it's fucking June already. Goodness. Okay, so um, I'm not sure if you guys know this, but it's supposed to be the slow time this of the offseason, but there's some shit happening in the NFL. So um, you guys want to uh, talk about some shit that's going on in the NFL? Yeah, I would love to talk about anything besides work and cloud computing. I hear that. Uh, certainly being in the IT world, I could completely understand that. So um, first bullet point I want to talk about today is uh, the bully man, Richie Incognito, has yet another chance at being on an NFL roster. So uh, Richie Incognito signed with the Oakland, at least for now, the Oakland Raiders. John Gruden brought him on. We got, I got a feeling it was his decision and not the uh, not Mike Mayock, but whatever. Um, does the talent outweigh the headache at this point? Well, and obviously it has to because the Raiders signing the Bills, besides being out of football for one year, he keeps getting signed. So, you know, unfortunately the answer has to be yes. And, and we've seen repeatedly over and over again that the NFL doesn't care 
um, about what really doesn't care about what you do off the field if you can provide for them on the field. And we've seen a lack of NFL-ready offensive linemen coming out in the draft in recent years as the college game has kind of changed with uh, – has changed more in the NFL game, hasn't fully caught up. So it really makes a guy like Richie Incognito who can – come in and play and, and give that kind of fierce attitude to an offensive line, keeps giving opportunities as much as I disagree with it. Tyler, come on, man. You got something. I, I could tell. You know, <clears throat> Richie Incognito kind of reminds me of Jeff George. He's got a bunch of talent, but after every uh, couple years, he just wears the team thin and he's got to go and move on somewhere else. And it, we're kind of seeing that a little bit. He was with the Dolphins. The bully scandal came out. He went to the Bills, kind of revitalized his career. Then he wore out his welcome there. Now he's with the Raiders. And the Raiders are perfect for a guy like him because he's kind of scummy. And the Raiders really have never cared if you're scummy. They're, they're, they're like the island of misfit players. And they'll take anybody who they think can help them win a football game. Yeah, I'm starting yeah. to feel like they're getting back to the uh, screw the off the field issues. Give me the best talent out there available. Right now. So um, that's that's my thought on how the Raiders have always been in the past. I mean, the Raiders of the 70s and the 80s have always been like that. They, they've got people like Lyle Alzado back in the day and Marcus Allen, although Marcus Allen was never a bad guy. <laughs> but um, they, they they definitely did not have church boys on that roster for sure. Yeah, but it says that, oh, he fits in with the Raiders. He's a Raiders kind of guy and this and that. But I think people forget that these Raiders aren't the same Raiders. The Raiders were the Raiders because of Al Davis. And now the Raiders are um, – someone forgot to press the burp button when they did that. But now, <laughs> now the Raiders are uh, – they're owned by Mark Davis. Let's be real. Mark Davis is a giant bowl cut wearing pansy. I don't think he's got that same toughness or there's nobody that's going to be instilling that same level of attitude and toughness except for you know, maybe racist piece of shit, Richie Incognito. But um, I just, yeah, I still I don't, I think people are overlooking that the Raiders aren't the same Raiders anymore because they don't have that guy that directed it from the top. Yeah, I can't take anybody with a bowl cut seriously. I, I really can't. <laughs> and that guy's just such a goober. I think he's really blown this uh, situation with the move for Oakland out of the water. He's he's fucked it up completely. I think that the Raiders should have stayed in Oakland. I think, uh, yeah, he's he's making some bad decisions in my opinion. I don't know about you guys, but uh, it's it's going downhill for Mark Davis and the Oakland Raiders or wherever the hell they are next year, Raiders. But alas, Richie Incognito will be. Uh, so, has he primarily been a left or a right guard? I think he's basically a ball or a mauler guard. I don't think it really matters where he lines up. <clears throat> I mean, he's actually pretty decent. I think that. Yeah. That's. I'm not sure the talent outweighs the headache, as I had asked earlier. But he's he's definitely serviceable. Like if I had to rate him on Madden, I'd say he's probably like an 82 or something like that. He's definitely a slightly above average guard who excels yep. in a power running scheme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is a zone scheme, so I'm a little concerned with how he's going to fit into that. Oh, it would make sense if you look at it, and I, this isn't a original thought. I heard this from somewhere else. I don't remember where I give credit, but that there's a, a thought out there that he could, uh, you know, be cut before the regular season starts, before his money is guaranteed, essentially, because you know, they've got a younger team in Oakland, or not really a younger team. They've got a, a younger offensive line or a, maybe a finesse offensive line, and they want this guy to come in there and give them, you know, a shot of toughness or a shot of um, attitude and teach them a little bit more of how to, to be a little bit more rough and tough in the NFL and that he's just there to be that kind of a good or a villain for a, a short period of time. See, it bothers me. I think that the only reason this really bothers me is because they didn't have to do any of this. They would never had. Maybe they could have signed him as depth because they had Kalecio Simile on the roster, which is one of the best fucking guards in the NFL and can play left tackle and right tackle. I've seen him do it on the Baltimore Ravens. So getting rid of him was a really bad mistake, in my opinion, to the sending him off to the Jets. So Coleccio Simile could have still been there and Richie Incognito could still be unsigned. 
but that's yeah, I mean, I just, I just look at it, it makes, of course, he didn't have to do that, and I don't think that he deserves to be in the NFL. Um, I don't think that he has earned. God, between the bullying incident, between the what he did on the golf cart, where he's on the golf course, where he, you know, assaulted or whatever it was that, that young lady, to the racial slurs, to even some of the stuff on, you know, on the field, to all the his incidents on the field, to threatening to shoot people at a funeral home, just to all kinds of stuff. I mean, they talk about, oh, is Zeke going to get suspended for, you know? pressing up against the guy or, or whatever and it was not appropriate but it was not anything near this or any number of incidents and yet they essentially don't uh, you know don't do much or, or if anything to him because with his litany of incidents he should by he should have been indefinitely suspended or you know suspended for a lot longer than they suspend guys for smoking a little bit of weed yeah, like poor Justin Blackman is probably still trying to get back in the NFL. Or maybe he's just falling off. I don't even know what the hell happened to him. You know, Justin Blackman's a very weird case because not only did he have the marijuana, but he had like two or three DUIs while he was in the NFL. He just couldn't keep his act together. He couldn't stay clean. You know, you can make the argument that the NFL shouldn't give a crap about the fact that he had those DUIs because it has nothing to do with the football field. But at the same time, it impacts the workplace. If you keep breaking the law like that, how can I trust you to be one of my employees? Uh, it's kind of a mixed bag, mm-hmm. but Blackman just couldn't keep his head on straight enough to stay in the league, which is really sad. Didn't he yeah. at one point have more than one DUI within a month? Yeah, and so. they were pretty serious ones, and so he went to Oklahoma State, obviously, and he's uh, from this area where I'm at, and uh, I know that he he had a lot more problems than just you know smoking weed. Uh, I knew pe- I I knew his I didn't know him, so I shouldn't say that. Uh, I had kids that were his age, and his. <laughs> You know, that did a lot more for him than just give him some weed and stuff was in my area and talked about some of the problems and issues that he had. So he was a lot more than just that. Or one example I'd like to bring up is Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory is a guy that has got documented and it's well known in most places that he's bipolar. He's got some sort of mental disorders. And whenever they try to give him, you know, pharmaceutical drugs, it just screws him up and gives him all kinds of other issues. And so that's why he's always used uh, marijuana to, to kind of keep him more, you know, balanced and sane and regular. And that's why he's had so many issues staying eligible in the NFL because that's the only thing that he can take to, um, you know, to make himself feel right. It's a damn shame. I, I think he deserves to be on an NFL roster. I just, could you imagine him still being on the Jacksonville Jaguars? They might actually have a pretty damn good offense to go with that pretty damn good defense. Mm-hmm. And he really had a chance to be a great NFL receiver if he would have just been able to stay on the straight and narrow. But like Bobby was uh, uh, referencing with Randy Gregory, it's so hard sometimes for some individuals to stay on that straight and narrow because there are outside factors, you know, um, mental disorders, uh, as he said, and it can be really tough to piece it all together when you're under that kind of immense pressure. So is Randy Gregory going to come back at any point? Because I keep hearing some rumors. Yeah. Yeah. You know, from what I understand and, and, you know, being down here in Dallas and in the area, and I know people with the team and, and whatnot, they do expect him to be back and to hopefully be back before the season um, even starts. And, and you've seen it and you hear that the, the way the league has <clears throat> really lessened their uh, policy unofficially <laughs> on marijuana and substance abuse and whatnot. And they're really giving these guys a lot more chances. I think you're going to continue to see that more and more, and especially when you see where they're wanting to basically drop it from uh, you know, being prohibited. However, they're wanting to get something back and neglect the bargaining process from it, and that's going to be kind of a holdup. But it's a, it's a shame because they'll just shove opioids and, and I know how dangerous and how bad those can be and, and all those other kinds of toradol and whatnot, you know, into your body and then, you know, something that can help them out a lot more uh, without those negative side effects. They, they take such a hard, hard line stance on. It's a severely outdated process as far as the NFL uh, drug policy is concerned and the uh, policy. So it's a bit frustrating, but it's just where it is right now. And I think, I'm hoping the collective uh, bargaining agreement coming up will resolve some of these issues. But I, I'm 
not too optimistic. Yeah, I think you will, especially when you see the owners wanting to, and then it's getting so uh, it's getting legal in so many places now. They just legalized it this week uh, in Illinois, so there's a, another place where it's legal, and you know, pretty soon every NFL team almost is going to be in a state where it's legal in one form or another, if not straight recreationally legal, and that's going to really make it hard because the players, it's going to be almost impossible to avoid for a lot of them just because of their exposure. I imagine it's going to be an issue when it comes to, uh, if they do, in a perfect world, make this legal in the NFL and they take marijuana off of the policy, I imagine it's going to be a bit of an issue when it comes to free agency. Like there's some states that just refuse to do marijuana legalization, but there's some like California where it's perfectly legal. So they're going to want to go to the San Francisco 49ers or the Oakland Raiders or the LA Chargers or the LA Rams, but they're not going to want to go to, uh, damn, what's one that's not even legal right now? I mean, Dallas Scott's, Cowboys. Yeah, they were not going to want to go to the Dallas Houston, Cowboys. Texas. <laughs> Dude, you suck at the cough button. I literally just hit mute on my mic. I don't understand. No. Nah. Use use your mute physical hard button. Uh, you mean on my mic or yeah uh, yeah yeah. There's a it's mic. muted. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. What? <laughs> we can hear you talking. Like like peace out, bro. All right. It's muted. I don't get it. Okay, so it's going through your other microphone. Okay, enough of the uh, troubleshooting on there. <laughs> we can figure that out later. Um. So, um. Next topic, Calvin Johnson is back in the news. Did you guys hear about this? Yes, I did. So uh, apparently he's told reporters that the Lions want him back in the fold, that they would have to pay him back the signing bonus that they retrieved from Calvin Johnson. Apparently it's worth a little more than $1 million that they got back from Calvin Johnson. But the thing is, signing bonus is not just, and I'm quoting somebody here on this, obviously, mm-hmm. it's not just uh free money. It's not a lottery. It's not exactly uh, just money that's given out of the blue. This is for services that haven't been earned yet in advance. So what do you guys think about this? Does Calvin Johnson uh, deserve to have that $1 million back or is he just being a piss poor sport about this? I don't think he necessarily deserves to have it back, but with the history the Lions have of treating their superstars, they really should give it to him back. They're the reason that Barry Sanders retired early. They're the reason that Calvin Johnson retired early. And you could argue that those two are the two best players in Lions history. And they kind of gave him the shaft. And they need to take care of these guys a little bit better. So how can they take care of them? Because they can't just write him a $1 million check. Well, Why not? don't suck. That's the easiest way. Hey. Why can't they just write him a check? Because what that would be from their point admitting defeat and that they did something wrong in the first place. And that's an organization that will refuse to do that. No, it's not. It's them saying, hey, you know what? We want to bring Calvin Johnson back into the fold of the Lions family. And we're going to pay him a million dollar, $1.6 million um, check or whatever payment so that he'll be a, a brand ambassador for the Lions. See, that's what I was looking for. They they got to have some quid pro quo for that. They got to have uh, this for that. Yeah, it's easy. Or they could just give it to him. Nobody has to know they wrote him a check. And then he, he could just say, like, oh, well, we talked and we decided to make nice and wouldn't have to admit they paid him or wouldn't have to deny it. <clears throat> you know, overall, though, I think that does he have a point or saying that he wants it back or deserves it back? Not really, because he signed his contract. Contract said you've got to fulfill his blah, blah, blah. Of course, they were going to cut him when his money or his, uh, his salary spot to whatever the hell that huge cap number the time was going to be. So he should have just played it out a little bit longer, I believe, and then let them cut him. But he wanted to go ahead and control his own future, retire at that point. So he did have to pay it back. When it comes to the whole issue of paying back, I think that signing bonus money should be signing bonus money. And <clears throat> unless you, um, 
you know, try and sign and retire the next day, retire before a game is even played, then you should get that money. These guys don't get guaranteed contracts. We all know that. They get cut all the time. The teams have to regularly throw on years at the back end of a contract uh, so that they can just say, oh, there's just years to spot the signing bonus. And in reality, if the player does play that well, they'll keep that player at that amount for a low, usually lower, you know, amount, especially the way the salary cap's going. So I think they should just change that rule and give them signing bonus money and not have it to be a, uh, be paid back at all. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. But uh, that might uh, be a little bit of shady practices, you know, uh, shady accounting practices. Does this sound familiar to you at all this week? <laughs> Are we going to talk about the uh, the owners or the crooks? I mean, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, we could certainly talk about that, unless you want to wrap up Calvin Johnson. Oh, I'm good on Calvin Johnson. I think that's an NFL thing needs to change with the way they they uh, they pay people players. Any, anything you want to add, Tyler? No, I think Bobby said it all. I'm good. All right, so uh, there's been some shady shit going on in Tampa Bay, and, uh, you know, I think, uh, Bobby, I'm going to let you go ahead and explain what's been going on to the audience. All right, so I, I should probably preface this with I do have, a, a, have an accounting background. I do, while I'm not an accountant anymore per se, I do accounting software on a daily basis. So uh, essentially what <clears throat> the Buccaneers were doing, we all know that they had that Deepwater Horizon spill off the coast of Florida, and there was a the relief fund set up to try and help businesses that had suffered um, huge losses for due to the spill so they could recover money. And the Buccaneers were in the last geographic range that were allowed to potentially claim that their business had suffered due to the spill. But to do that, they had to show specifically that their revenue had gone down. Uh, I want to say it was 15% in the year or the months period or like the year, uh, three months specific period after the spill. And then they had to show that it rebounded the following year. Uh, so to show that it would only have been impacted by that. And to do that, the Buccaneers used some really creative accounting to try and withhold when they recognize revenue. So even though they received payment from the NFL, part of the revenue sharing that they do, uh, in accounting, you can receive cash, receive payment, but you're supposed to recognize it when it is earned. And they just did some shady accounting to try and say, oh, it was supposed to have been earned during that period and it didn't get because of the, the deep water horizon. It was essentially just moving around when they recorded uh, income on their books, kind of like in for uh, people today, or maybe not, if people still don't writing a check is, uh, you know, it's against the rules to post date a check. That's essentially what the Buccaneers were trying to do is they were trying to, you know, post date or predate a, a check that they got. God damn Tampa Bay Buccaneers always in some shit. So, um, they were trying to swindle a situation, and I don't get why. I mean, I, I understand there's a monetary value here, but it's a drop in the bucket compared to what else they can make and what else they are making. But I know attendance is down there and the, the income may not be coming in, but the NFL is still giving them quite a chunk of money. Team mm -hmm. deals are still there. So I don't exactly understand what the Bucks are trying to do, achieve here. Um they trying to get every penny they possibly can. I mean, are they like Mark Davis here or what the hell? Yeah. Well, I mean, the Glazers didn't become billionaires, you know, by not going after everything they, they have. That's, it's just, it's the same thing. The rich people we see in our country everywhere and, and in the world really that the rich want more and more and more. And they're never happy, even though they'll never spend the money they've accumulated. They're going to keep trying to accumulate more and more and more. That's, it's just plain greed. I think. Well, it certainly sucks. I'm not a fan of that, and uh, th there's certainly not going to be any consequence unless somebody brings fraud to the table. Do you think fraud's a possibility? It's not a possibility. It is fraud. What they did was they tried to fraudulently obtain money, and 
uh, you know, money that should have gone to legitimate taxpaying businesses that suffered money and they didn't get the money, but they did. They did fraudulent accounting practices. And I hate this standard by the NFL. We see it over and over and over again that they don't give a shit like with Richie Incognito. He should be indefinitely suspended for all of the stuff that he's done on the field and off the field. And then we hear that, you know, our owners and coaches or whatever, executives, teams are going to be held to a higher standard. And and Ursay gets busted with, you know, bottles of pills and, and running all, all kinds of fucked up in a car. And he got over a suspension and a, you know, drop in the bucket fine. And now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are, are trying to fraudulently obtain money that should go to taxpayers that actually need it. This is fraud on a millions, tens of millions of dollars of scale. And they're not even get shit from the league, even though they're supposed to be held to a higher standard. It's such bullshit. It, oh man, it just makes me so damn mad. Like, don't even, don't try and pretend. It's just, if this was a big deal and, and people were talking about it all over the place, then they might have to do something. But because it's not being talked about a lot and most people don't really care that, you know, their team tried to, you know, or that a NFL team tried to fraudulently get money, they would much really care about some player getting suspended for smoking a little bit of weed or something rather than, you know, someone trying to do that. So it's it's bullshit, and it just shows how much of a of a farce the league is. And legalized gambling, you know, coming down, it's already down the pipe, but the ramifications from that, I think this whole shoot from the hip, you know, discipline from the hip, all that kind of stuff is going to go out the window sooner rather than later. Sorry, I'll step down. You said quite a bit, and uh, that's a lot for the audience to digest, but uh, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, it's, it's certainly – Definitely something that they need to consider. Um, at least the audience should. Tyler, thoughts? Go ahead, bud. I hate rich people that try to get free shit like this. It, it This is one of the big things that's wrong with our country. You get a uh, rich billionaire who, hey, I can use my uh, power and influence in order to get free money that should go to people who are actually affected by this. And then they, they cook the books a little bit, use that creative accounting, and try and get it. It's just sickening. Like, that's really all there is to it. They're scum. Don't yep. disagree. Don't disagree. Actually, you know, on the same thing, I hear all this, like, recently people are talking about college graduations and some billionaire, I don't know who the hell it was, that went into a graduation or something and, and paid off some random kids or paid off a couple kids student loans or something like that. I forget. It was something like that. I'm just sitting there going, you know what? Everybody's like, oh, tweet. Oh, this is so great. Awesome. I, you know, rich people doing kind things or something like that. I'm like, you know what, people? If you really think that's such a great fucking thing that this paid off some you know, poor students' loans. How would you like it if we taxed all the billionaires and they pay for everybody's student loans? And we got free education that way just by taxing them what they have rather than letting them avoid taxes because our system is set up that the you're supposed to get taxed the more money you have, but the more money you have, the easier it is to afford those taxes. So anyways, that's my whole thing about rich people well i got a uh a picture i posted i know you're not on facebook i posted this on facebook earlier um it was a picture of benjamin franklin with a uh, bandana on in the u.s colors and it <laughs> said tax this dick <laughs> gold mm-hmm. love it so um we got a couple drinking stories here uh as far as the <laughs> nfl are concerned so um Let's go ahead and start with the lighter side, the beer chugging situation with uh, David Bakhtiari and uh, Aaron Rodgers. So um, David Bakhtiari is a real man. Uh, Saw him chug some beers and uh, he was definitely uh, willing and able to down what looked to be some light beer. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, when he was uh, found at this basketball game and the camera came to him, was... uh, Kind of a puss when it came to drinking the beers. I'm not going to lie. Um, so the best story is uh, David Bakhtiari and um, Aaron Rodgers were at a basketball game for Wisconsin. And uh, the cameras were panning into both of them. And they panned into David Bakhtiari and he chugged his beer. And then it, everybody cheered. And then Aaron Rodgers, they zoomed on him with his beer. And he just starts drinking it slowly. And then he puts his finger up and says, one minute, hold on, I'm almost <laughs> done. And then he doesn't even fucking finish his beer. 
I mean, David Bakhtiari just downed that shit. I'm not even sure he's he might be tasting it now. I don't know. So uh, what do you guys think? Is he a puss or is, is Rogers uh, OK for doing what he did? No, Rogers is a puss, but it's not because of the beer chugging. <laughs> beer chugging is difficult. I, I have never been able to figure it out. And I wouldn't consider myself a puss. But I'll tell you, after your uh, left tackle chugs two of them mm-hmm. and then uh, points to you to do one and then you just bitch out, that's where he's a puss. If it's if you're slow, dude, carbonation is, can be difficult to chug. I get it. But yeah. the fact that he gave up speaks volumes. And he was uh, speaking of giving up. Uh, he was actually challenged by uh, Mike Florio not too long ago to do the uh, egg crack challenge. So he hasn't responded yet. I really hope that he does. I hope he at least knows about it. And somebody's got to make him aware because I'm sure that he's not following pro football talk. Uh, excuses, excuses. He's a bitch. He won't admit to following pro football talk and knowing about it, but you know that he does. Everybody in the NFL, <clears throat> whether they want to admit it or not follows pro football. I love watching what I've now seen it on a couple, like the Belichick two-part thing, like building a champion or something. Uh, anytime you watch like the NFL Network shows or a lot of the ones that go behind the scenes and teams, I'm always looking at the screens in the background. You always catch them uh, m- more often than not, you know, tuned into PFT's website. It's one hell of a website. I've been going there for years. I don't know about you guys, but I, it's definitely been my go-to. It's it's one of the tabs that I open up first thing in the morning. And one of the since that's my home page. Started, yep, junior in college. Since I was that was like um, two thousand and like three, I think. And I've been visiting it a hundred times a day basically since then. I wish they would have a dark theme though. The white theme is <laughs> annoying. But uh, yeah. Well, when it comes to the, the beer chugging thing with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, you know, for one, I think that we need to, as a society, quit glorifying this binge. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just wanted to say that. But for real, like, the dude, he, you know, Tyler, you said it it's, can be difficult to chug. I, I'm not really a beer drinker because beer just kind of makes me feel full and bloated and whatnot. So I don't really like it. I think I can chug one pretty quickly if I, if I need to. But when he knew he was getting pointed out and he knew that, oh, shit, I'm going to have to chug this or whatever, he should have accidentally kicked it over, knocked it over, at least spilled most of them. Like, oh, hell, damn it. Only had like a half of one or a quarter of a beer. Then be like, oh, okay. And doing one swig, he could take it down. Because you know the bottom of the cup is narrower anyways. So he could have done that. He's got a big-ass mouth. No, he could fit. A, he could fit at least you know, a quarter of that cup in there. Yeah, yeah. He's he's not. It's it's surprising how poorly he can think on his feet in situations like that, considering the fact that he's an NFL quarterback who is known for improvising and, and being quick on his feet. Thinking. Yeah, that that was pretty creative there, though. I wouldn't have thought. Oh, kicked it over. Oops. Oh man, I would have never thought of that. That's that's pretty goddamn creative. So um, yeah. Aaron Rodgers, you puss. It's still the best goddamn quarterback in the NFL for my money. But, uh, yeah, he's a puss. Um, There's another drinking story going on in the NFL. Uh, Free agent drinking right now. Uh, Muhammad Wilkerson was arrested over the weekend for driving drunk. Breathalyzer test registered a .09 at the scene of the crime. So as a free agent, does this take uh, him off of some of the team's boards? Tyler, what do you think? You know, honestly, it's going to take him off some teams' boards. But at the same time, it probably shouldn't. Uh, look, now, if the guy would have blown a point two, that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. But a point oh nine says, hey, I went out to the bar. I had a couple beers. I tried to be smart and, you know, make sure that I was capable of driving home. And he was just a shade over the legal limit. To me, that, that says uh, something different. Like, he made a mistake versus being completely irresponsible. Uh, and if I were a team that needed a pass rusher right now, I would still consider Muhammad Wilkerson for my franchise. I probably would too. He's honestly a damn good one. I'm surprised that he hasn't been picked up yet, to be honest with you. He might just want more money. I don't know. Well, it's one of those things where now the compensatory formula is done. Um, the draft happened, so that definitely hurts him too. But he got uh, he broke his foot, and he wasn't playing well for the Packers last year. And he's one of those cases where he took that one-year deal as a risk to prove himself so he could get even more money, and it didn't work. 
Ah, I did not know about the broken foot. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Uh, what do you think about this uh, .09, Mr. Bobby? So, you know, honestly, I don't. I'm not a, well, whatever, like, I'm not cool with drinking and driving, being intoxicated, whatever. But at the same time, .09, legal limit .08, right there, it said that he had, like, a, a two beers and a shot. Which most everybody says, oh, I'll show, I've been drinking. Oh, I've had a couple of beers and a shot, and we know that means, oh, I had ten beers and a pint of, of you know whiskey or something. But in this case, it really was true, and I was actually just looking up and trying to find out if a breathalyzer takes into account your size, your body weight, because if it doesn't, it should. Uh, because somebody that is the size of Muhammad Wilkerson is going to handle a hell of a lot more booze and be able to um, still safely operate a vehicle than somebody like me who is five foot nine and one hundred sixty four pounds. So I, I think you know back to the original question: Will it take him off some teams? Yeah, absolutely, it will. But I don't think that it it should not for. It sounds like he was probably really maybe rude or belligerent with the cop or a little bit pushy or maybe try to play you know who I am thing because in my experience not specifically with this but in people I know and cops when you're that close they'll say give you a couple minutes and then have you blow again uh, and go below that limit or just be okay look you're going straight home we understand so I think you know some common sense needs to be applied there uh, but again I don't know the entire story yeah, I don't know the entire story either. Um, .09 is not it, – it's still drinking and driving, which you really got to be careful. And when you make millions of dollars, you can afford to have somebody over you. So that's my, that's my primary bitch about this. Um, or you can even bring the party to yourself. Uh, invite people to your house, for fuck's sake. I mean, these people are making millions of dollars, and you're going to possibly waste it on a DUI. But um, uh, that's just my bitch about it. I'm uh, – I'm a big believer in if you're if you even feel a shade over that limit, you shouldn't be driving. But um, I'm not going to get on a soapbox about it. I mean, he made a mistake. It's not that big of a deal. Um, It's not that it's not like Richie Incognito. So he's not going out of his way to piss off entire teams. So um, hopefully he gets another chance and hopefully somebody will bring him onto the roster. I think they're probably going to look at him towards the regular season, to be honest with you, as opposed mm-hmm. to like the preseason. Let him get his situation with DY figured out in the courts and then they can uh, take it from there. So um, with that said, what's next on the list here? You guys want to talk about my favorite team, the Baltimore Ravens? No. Well, tough shit, because we're about to. So, um, <laughs> Lamar. I talk about how Ray Lewis is a cheat, but. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Lamar Jackson stated in the recent media appearance that uh, the offense for the Baltimore Ravens is completely changing. Apparently, that took him by surprise. So, um, <laughs> this is uh, coming off of Steve Bashotti also saying that uh, Lamar Jackson, who was known for running the football last year, will not be running it as much. So uh, can Lamar Jackson develop into a more traditional pocket passer NFL quarterback? I really think he can. Uh, When you watched him at Louisville, he was really good. Uh, The guy was running a uh, pretty pro style offense with some read option concepts because that's what he was really good at. The fact that he struggled this year uh, reading defenses and getting the ball out with accuracy really surprised me because I thought he was farther along than guys like uh, Josh Allen and Sam Darnold as far as the concepts of the game and reading those defenses. Uh, I think uh, given the offseason to prepare, I mean, if he ever figures out if he's learning a new offense or not, uh, I think he will um, be one of those guys to not have a sophomore slump, but he'll actually uh, show a lot of improvement. Bobby? 
Yep. So I also agree. I think he can be a pocket passer. I don't think they need to make him too much of a traditional pocket passer. Don't take away the the things that make him special, that have made him great and made him what he is today. Uh, I don't. I don't question. I do think he can, even though I do question some of the decisions he made. You know, I know it's draft process, but you know, not having a typical agent to get you know more exposure and even getting a possible you know around different styles of offenses and learning and different you know academies and whatnot that they could have done to me the question or the thing that's more troubling is that he was caught off guard by this and didn't know anything you know that or at least acted that way i don't know is that because of the quote-unquote restrictions around talking to a quarter players and coaches communicating did he really know that he was just acting stupid playing dumb so he doesn't get anybody in in trouble or are they really making those changes without getting input from their quote-unquote franchise quarterback and if that's the case then that troubles me uh, and probably should trouble you cj more than anything else yeah, it definitely does trouble me a little bit, especially since um, Lamar is apparently pretty shocked about all this. So in the offseason, you expect the things to change as far as verbiage and whatnot. You can't go into this to next year with the same verbiage and whatnot, because then people will figure it out really easily. But um, to throw, uh, I don't know what they're going to go with, to be honest with you. I know uh, Roman is a, uh, he's more of a, a run offense guy because we got a new offensive coordinator mm-hmm. so, uh, Greg Roman is more of a run style offense so I don't know how big of a change it's going to be considering his background but are they going to throw more pocket passing into it are you going to make it more west coast style because he also has a little bit of a west coast feel to him as well um, setting up some uh, but it's more inverted of a west coast it's long runs to set up the long pass so um Let's see. Uh, so far in camp, it's not looking too good for Lamar. I can tell you that much. Uh, just reports saying that he's overthrowing his receivers. I'd rather have him overthrow than underthrow, to be honest with you. He's got to work on his accuracy, though. Well, why? But, but CJ, why is that bad that he's overthrowing receivers in the first practices of the year? And I can see your point, but at the same time, accuracy is just something you got to you either have it or you don't. I mean, Oh, I mean, I'm the best way. New receivers, uh, new offense. The first year that he's really even gotten reps, because we know in backup quarterbacks in the NFL, they get, besides some scout team reps, they get, I think I, was, I see like usually on average, like eight snaps of practice or something or a day in practice that they actually get with, you know, first team or second team, like actually running their own offense. And, you know, you're supposed to have, mistakes or make mistakes in practice because he should be testing and seeing, okay, if I'm overthrowing it, I think he's trying to test how fast can my receivers go? Can they really get under that ball? A game situation, will they get that? I remember a couple of years ago, people were um, criticizing, I want to say Drew Brees and or Aaron Rodgers about throwing too many interceptions in camp and had one or both of them lost it. I think it was Brees said, no, I'm trying to do that because I'm going to test my limits in practice so I know what those limits are in the game. If you're comp- completing every single pra- every single pass in practice, then you're not practicing hard enough. You're not taking you know enough chances. And it's going to show during the games. I agree with that, but at the same time, accuracy has been an issue for Lamar over the uh, past couple of years um, as far as college is concerned. So it's it's really hard to warm up mechanics. It's, he just has a hard time holding the ball right, to be honest with you. He holds it so weirdly, his middle and his ring finger are together. So I think he needs to work on making a more perfect spiral and uh, just accuracy altogether. He's just had that issue over the past couple of years, and I'm hoping that this offseason, he has actually done something that Joe Flacco doesn't normally do, and that's uh, work with his receivers. So he had them come out and actually work with him this offseason, independent of the training camp. So let's see if that's going to work out for him. And I'm really hoping for the best when it comes to this. I just hope that with this uh, change, that they're not going to do what they did to RG3 in Washington and just try to make him something that he's not. Yeah, I don't no. think they will. Um, one of the things that I think we forgot to mention with Greg Roman as an offensive coordinator is he was the offensive coordinator when Colin Kaepernick was at his absolute peak. And while I think uh, Lamar Jackson is a better passer than Kaepernick, 
I don't think he's quite as good of a runner um, as far as vision in the open field. But I think uh, with what Roman did with Kaepernick, he's going to be able to easily translate on the field with Lamar Jackson, and I think they can be very, very successful. I'm hoping. They definitely still need to actually utilize his running skills, though. Don't make him a complete pocket passer like uh, Bobby was saying. Just uh, give him what his God-given ability and take advantage of that and then also try to develop his other skills that he's not so good at because uh, he's he's got a cannon. He really does. I've seen him throw the ball. He can throw mm-hmm. the ball. Whether or not it's accurate is a different story. So if you tame that skill, then goddamn, it's going to be something to be impressed about. I agree, but I also think uh, one thing to really consider here is I don't think they want to take away his running. I think they want to make it so he's not running 20 times a game. If you bring that number down to about 10, you're going to significantly decrease his injury risk and his effectiveness can be even more towards the end of the season. I agree with that. That's, uh, and I think they should be doing the same thing in Buffalo. If I'm not mistaken, didn't Josh Allen have three consecutive games of at least 95 rushing yards or more? Yeah, I think so. They're also not designing runs for Josh Allen. That's mm-hmm. the difference. Yeah. Josh Allen is not a running mobile quarterback. He was doing it out of necessity. That offensive line was a goddamn turnstile. Well, I think Josh Allen is a mobile and athletic quarterback, but he's a kind of a traditional pocket passer. Also, hasn't had to use it, but just like Andrew Luck, who people always forget that Andrew Luck ran the uh, 40-yard dash like almost or just as fast as RG3 did back at the uh, the combine. He's athletic, too. just they don't have to use it very often, and that's what they need to get Lamar Jackson to do is I don't think design a ton of runs for him as much as just design plays that get him out of the pocket a little bit, get him on the move so that he can use his instincts to either look down the field, dump it off, or decide if he can, you know, make a run and safely get down and out of bounds before he takes a no too big of a shot. So out of the five quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round last year, we've got uh, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, uh, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, and uh, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Who do you think is going to have the best sophomore season in the NFL? Baker. Baker? Hello. I, I fucking knew it was coming. I shouldn't have even asked. Uh, uh, yeah, if I, if I had to power rank these quarterbacks, it's going Baker, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen. Damn. All right. I'm, I'm going Baker Mayfield, Baker, 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 and Baker. Uh, okay. That's. <laughs> no, but I mean, we didn't even get to see Baker Mayfield you know, through his whole rookie season. We only got to see him, what, in like seven, eight, nine of the games when he blew it up. It was on fire. So they don't even have, you know, even other teams have a full year of film on him. You know, to be able to 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 study to, to break him down and whatnot. So I think that'll give him you know an advantage. And I'm afraid that if they're going to change the offense too much for Lamar Jackson or any of those young quarterbacks, I think that's that's an issue. That's a common problem uh, in the NFL with with players, whether it's Alex Smith when he was younger. To I think Josh Rosen is one that hasn't had the same offense or same offensive system coordinator. Uh, for two years in a row since, like, high school or something. I'm looking forward to seeing all five of them develop, to be honest with you. I think uh, I do think Baker Mayfield is probably going to be the best of the bunch. Um, I was very impressed in the last game of last season with the uh, Ravens and the Browns going at each other. That was one hell of a game by Baker Mayfield. He wasn't exactly like mm-hmm. in the first two quarters, but in the, in the second half, he was coming alive. And he, if he would have had another three minutes on the clock, he probably would have beat us. And it's, it's all in part due to Freddie goddamn Kitchens, right? <laughs> the one thing that's really special about Baker is he has that uh, Brett Favre-like mentality where I don't think he's going to throw nearly as many interceptions as Favre did because I think he's just a little more calculated. But he's got that gunslinger, I don't give a shit attitude when it comes to throwing the football. And if he thinks he can make the window, he's going to make the window. And if he throws an interception, you just kind of brush it off and he's going to come back and he's just going to keep slinging. Yeah, I feel like I I think – Baker, one of the things I love about Baker so much is his charisma and that it factor, the way he carries himself. And 
And just like I think Brett Favre did and what Tyler was saying is I think that every single time Baker Mayfield gets that ball in his hands, he thinks he can score a touchdown. He thinks there's a touchdown every single play, and it's up to him to find it and make it happen. It's very Favre-esque. So, um, according to my resources here, according to my format, we have run out of things to talk about as far as football is concerned. Do you want to talk about some all elite wrestling that happened? Yes. All right. Let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about it, guys. So uh, this is the portion of the show that's going to be a little bit about wrestling just because we're big wrestling nerds. Um, if you want to tune out at this point, I completely understand, but we're going to talk a little wrestling here. So the first thing I want to bring up is uh, Christopher Daniels is uh, bringing out a half microphone stand and doing his gimmicks now on that. What, what what the fuck is that? Christopher Daniels can do whatever the fuck he wants, and it's going to go over huge because he's from Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels. And SCU is just going to get huge pops wherever they go. Yeah, SCU definitely got a huge pop. And even though he was attempting to shit on the crowd, the crowd was still eating it alive. And it's, it's amazing when you're a cool heel. Uh, I do love it. Oh, yeah. And it, it was really cool because they, you know, they always say this is the worst town I've ever been in because it's not Southern California. But they're like, eh, this is probably the best worst town I've ever been in. So it, there's still faces even though they're heels. Yep. It's kind of like uh, Mr. Kennedy back in the day in the WWE. Just He just kept shitting on them. Or even The Rock uh, just kept shitting on the crowd and they kept loving it and kept cheering his name. So uh, it, it, It's been the age of the anti-hero for like the last 20 years. Bobby, did you actually get to see the pay-per-view? I didn't even know the whole thing started. Damn, dude. You missed- I, haven't been, I haven't been keeping up with wrestling as much lately because... Yeah, I don't have my opinions on WWE, and uh, I watched them, but I quit watching them for the most part and following them because of the Saudi Arabia stuff they're doing, and not just on a you know moral stand standpoint, but just because they keep putting their the biggest stars, the best events, you know, in Saudi Arabia where they don't matter and nothing you know doesn't matter at all, and they don't play in the storylines at all. So you know that too. So I've got no idea what's going on and. Yeah, that on my year end for work the last uh, two weeks just been kicking my ass. So um sorry to hear that, man, but uh I'm very proud of you in your uh in your huge marking that you got for that uh, at work. I'm very proud yeah. of you for me. Thank you very much. Um but yeah, I agree with you, Tyler. Christopher Daniels can do whatever the fuck he wants just because he's a veteran of uh God, twenty years it feels like. Gotta be. Yeah, he- he started in like the late nineties. Uh, his big break was like NW wild side into the original TNA. Uh, and God, those TNA years when with him style, Samoa Joe, Chris Saban in the X division was, uh, that was like uh, WCW cruiserweight level greatness. See, I remember he used to do this thing. I, I want to say it was the uh, early 2010s where he would take his uh, fingers and tape them up except for the middle finger. And he would just flash up his hand and it would look like he's flipping off the crowd. I love Christopher Daniels. He's so great. So, um, Bobby question for you. What do you think of, uh, them doing, uh, Jim Ross as commentator? Do you think he's still, uh, got something in the tank? Uh, I know you didn't hear his pay-per-view. Uh, uh, I actually did. So I've watched, I didn't watch it, but once I heard that it came on and not even from y'all, um, I actually went and saw the John Moxley formerly known as Dean Ambrose running on Jericho at the end. And I heard Jim Ross on that. I thought he still had it. And, and I am actually, as soon as I get a chance to look into AEW some more, I plan on, um, investing my wrestling time fully and completely into them and, you know, probably not even having WWE. Like I still record it. But I don't really watch it. I fast forward through almost all of it and just watch some highlights. So I can't. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, AEW definitely is. It's backed by Tony Khan. So well, let's bring it back to football. Yeah. It's backed by Tony Khan and uh, Shad Khan. So um, it's th- those are for those of you that don't know. That's Jacksonville Jaguars owner and president. So um, they've got money behind them for sure. So you very well might have your next WCW here, and they're going back to TNT. So it's. 
That's pretty mm-hmm. fucking awesome. I can't wait to see wrestling back on TNT. I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime again. I thought that TNT and Turner were done with wrestling in general, but so where are go back? Where are you going back to TNT? It's going to be later on this year. I'm here in August or September. What are you hearing, Tyler? Awesome. It, I uh, well, their show All Out uh, is going to be August 31st in Chicago. They're going to have their first world champion crowned Adam Page versus Chris Jericho. And then after that, I think they're going to be debuting that next Wednesday. I think it's like September 4th. That's that's everything I've been hearing. I'm glad they're not going uh, direct against Monday Night Raw or SmackDown or anything. Mm-hmm. I want to see them establish themselves before they try to go direct against competition like that. So I'm, I'm glad they're doing that. So, uh, Tyler, did you see the fucking Dustin Cody match? Uh, that was one of the best matches I've seen in a long time. Uh, one of the issues with modern day wrestling is you get a lot of spot fat matches. Sorry, spot fest yeah. matches. And like, I love watching like young bucks versus Lucha bros. They do some insane stuff, but o- over the course of time, it kind of becomes the same match where they're doing the same spots at the same points in the match. And while it's great, it doesn't tell that great of a story over time. And uh, when you have Cody and Dustin, like they didn't get their big Stardust versus Gold Dust blow off match. They got eight minutes at Fastlane when that was should have been like a, a twelve to fifteen minute WrestleMania match. Yeah. And the the significance of Cody taking the sledgehammer and destroying the throne with Triple H's logo meant something in the scope of that match because Triple H was the one that said you're getting Fastlane and you're not getting the Big Show. And then they went out and delivered a twenty five minute territory style bloodbath where Dustin Rhodes is just bleeding a gusher and then they had the uh, point up at the sky to Dusty before the match started and then the post-match promo was something very similar that Dusty said to Dustin Rhodes back in the late 80s in WCW where like I don't need a, a friend I need my older brother and Dusty said something very similar to him when they were tag team partners for a match. And the fact that Cody not only delivered a territory style bloodbath where it was just classic wrestling, he took the past, utilized that history and played it into today. And that made the match so much better. It made it mean something you felt with them. You had a, a face turn from Cody. Um, we're probably getting a massive heel turn from Dustin where he just beats the living crap out of Cody after that fight for the Fallen match against the Bucks. It's just great stuff. It's classic wrestling. And it's something that, as fans, we aren't as accustomed to anymore. And it's just great to see it back. I agree. And uh, I was really impressed with how uh, Dustin still has it in the tank being at his age. I'm very impressed with him. I'm very happy to see uh, Cody with the success that he's had in the independent circuits, in TNA, in ROH, in NJPW, and now doing AEW. And uh, quite frankly, this is the best I've seen out of Cody. I, I think this is probably the best Cody Rhodes match ever. The best Dustin Rhodes match, too. I, I, it's taken me a lot to not say Goldust just because I've always seen him as Goldust. I mean, you, you guys get that, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's really hard for me not to call him Goldust. And it's no offense to him at all because I love the Goldust character. I always have. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Goldust character was great. And it, it was really nice to be able to see Cody in a high profile spot where he delivered on the type of match that he's great at. One of the issues with him having been in New Japan was he doesn't mesh with the New Japan style. His matches were awkward. They were boring compared to the rest of the card. And they were what uh, one of my favorite podcasts, the Super J cast called the just three star specials. That's it's just three star Cody. You know, it really got old. Like, he made Kota Ibushi have a just a decent match, and that's pretty hard to do. He's in his element now. He's able to tell stories. He's able to utilize old-school um, psychology, and that's what he's great at. He's his dad's son, and there's really mm-hmm. no other way to describe him. Yeah, um, definitely his dad's son, but uh, a significantly less amount of weight. 
Um, definitely a hard worker. So I'm, I'm very impressed with how that all went down. And I'm very impressed with what he's doing behind the scenes as the uh, vice president of the company. So this thing is really starting to develop and I'm really getting happy about it. Um, Bobby, what's your favorite Goldust moment? Hell, mine wouldn't even be a Goldust moment. Mine would be something from back in the days on WCW. I grew up watching WCW mostly as a kid. I loved watching Dustin Rhodes, you know, the All-American boy, Dustin Rhodes on WCW, Saturday morning slam, or Saturday, uh, whatever the hell Saturday things were, then you know, Nitro when it came out. I remember the first, I remember the first Monday Nitro in that damn mall or something. I want to say it was in Minneapolis or Minnesota somewhere with the very first WCW Nitro when Lex Luger, you know, came out when there's uh, that a big flare and sting match that they always did for big events in WCW. Uh, but I don't have a favorite gold dust, and I would just say, man, one of those, I'm trying to think of a, of a moment from WCW with him. How about that uh, tractor trailer match that they had? <laughs> that was a fucking shit show. Yeah, man. Yeah, I've got a lot of good Dustin memories. Uh, <laughs> the goddamn Goldust thing where they electrocuted him and he started to have Tourette's. How about that? Oh, jeez. That was fucking hilarious. I don't care what you say. Um, yeah, Goldust has definitely been one of the most over-the-top characters, and uh, I'm glad that he's still in the business. And uh, Is he agent backstage, Tyler? Or is he just planning on being talent? Dustin? Right now, he's a, just a talent. Uh, uh, as far as how long that lasts, I really don't know. The guy's 51 years old. Uh, obviously, being gold dust, he's had it relatively easy as far as WWE is concerned. Hasn't been on a lot of uh, high-profile feuds. Uh, I think he's going to go until he feels like he's starting to lose something. But the way they're kind of doing it right now, he's going to show up for like the bigger shows, put on matches. But then once... Uh, they, uh, this whole money thing with Cody stops, I think it's probably going to transition more to a backstage role. That's what I'm thinking too. And he really deserves to be in a backstage role um, when he's done wrestling because he's done a lot for the business and he was doing uh, the agency for the uh, WWE for a while. So he did a great job there. He just wanted his release from the WWE and wanted to work with his brother. And I completely understand that. Mm-hmm. Any chance you can get to get away from Vince, I guess, is uh, what you take. So, um, the main event was pretty damn good. Um, if you had to rate it, what would you say, Tyler? I gave it a four and a half. Uh, I know that they uh, botched a one-wing angel spot, and then instead of being the pros that they are, they went right back to it, which I thought was really odd. Uh, but at the same time, it delivered. It was it was a brawl. Um, they had great spots. Kenny was able to do his utilize his high flying and his V triggers. Uh, Jericho looked great as always. Uh, him being able to reinvent himself as a 28-year vet has just been one of the most underrated parts of wrestling today. And uh, Kenny went through that table outside, and then uh, it looked really weird in slow motion, but in real time, that uh, that Judas elbow that uh, Jericho started using just knocked him out and then pinned him clean was just, it was great. You know, uh, wrestling needs more of just no bullshit. I beat you. Yeah. And then, and then when you have like, let's say a couple years down the line, you have a guy comes in, like, let's say MJF, who is one of the big stars of this show. And he comes in and does a bullshit finish when you really don't have him. He's going to get incredible heat. It like, if they keep up with what they're doing, they're going to be able to utilize so much with bullshit down the line. Whereas in a company like WWE, you have so much bullshit all the time. It doesn't draw any heat. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, hey, go ahead. I, I just get so formulaic all the time. I know it's Vince, all that kind of shit, but I get so tired of every champion that has a non-title bout. He fucking loses the non-title bout unless it's in a 
build up to a pay-per-view or whatever because he'll lose it and whoever beats him gets oh since they've been the champion or beat the champion by dq they earn themselves a title shot it's like dude it's so fucking lame i'm like and it weakens your champions too that in the storytelling god the storytelling it goes starts and stops and has no point goes all over the fucking place that's why i'm actually excited to go and look into aew because i want good wrestling again I want to be able to not just get matches and stuff. And, and besides, like you're talking about a movie, a title spot fest and whatnot, I like to see storytelling in the match. I want to see good, you know, storytelling, not just the same old, oh, he beats up, you know, the face, face makes a comeback, you know, that kind of shit. I want, you know, just like, the, I want to see the, the, the whole feud told in the ring, you know, that kind of stuff. So what did you think about the John fucking Moxley debut? I love it. He's my favorite wrestler anyways. Yeah, I, I was a big fan of that. I, I wasn't sure if they were going to have – because there was a possibility that he was going to just go back to WWE from what I was reading. But um, after this – did you guys hear about his Jericho uh, podcast? Oh, my gosh. That was one of the more uh, – I, I wouldn't say eye-opening because we kind of already knew it. But we it, it was something where it confirmed – Everything that we thought about how WWE runs their business. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, I I download the Chris Jericho podcast, but I only listen to a few episodes here and there that are occasionally. Moxley's on there. Yeah, he was on last week's episode, and he just okay. he fucking dropped it's, WWE. Um, it's okay. it's called the Emancipation of John Moxley. Okay. It's worth an hour and a half of your time. I'm good. One, one thing to listen to is the awkward Chris Jericho ad transitions. They're gold. Yeah, okay. he's he's just he always does yeah. with that, and he's such a good character. I, I love Jericho's podcast. But um, I will say this one more thing about the John Moxley thing: the only thing I would have changed was I thought it was a mistake for him to come through the crowd like he did because it felt like the Shield. shield. Yeah. Now, do you think that his uh, move to Kenny Omega from the top of the uh, the the chips there? Do you think that was a nod at the attitude adjustment, or do you think it was just a Death the Valley driver that had no link to do with John Cena? I think it had no link to do with John Cena. I think it was just what they thought was the best way to get Kenny through that stage. Yeah, okay. All right. Because, uh, I mean, it, it looked like I mean, he turned right into it, just like John Cena would have did, but I, I was just, I, I really hope well, it wasn't a nod. Well, uh, the attitude adjustment is really just a basic fireman's carry, which you learn in high school mm-hmm. wrestling. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a Death Valley driver for sure, but um, it's the way that he does it in particular. He turns into it, so I just, when I saw Dean Ambrose do that, or I'm sorry, John Moxley do that, I was just like, mm, please don't nod to him. Please don't give any yeah. nod at all. I guess that's going to be one of his new moves. Um, I, at least I hope it is. He, Death Valley driver is a pretty good move. I like that. Um, but what are they going to call his finisher now? He can't call it Dirty Deeds. I'm pretty sure that's trademarked. Oh, they'll they'll find a way. These guys have such creative ways to name their finishers. Now they're going to have some fun with it. I agree. Yeah, they spend so much time on the road that they just sit there all day long in the cars, coming up with new names to finishers and new names to moves and you know new ideas and whatnot. From what I understand it, because I love the new Vice show. I think we talked about it before yeah. the Vice Channel. For about that's a wrestling fan has all these the dark side of the ring and the wrestlers on the index coming up. It's got some great, great shows on the Vice channel about uh, not just cannabis, but also wrestling. Shout out to the dark side of the ring. Great series. I hope that you guys watch that. Um, Very good show. And so was AEW. I'm going to have some fun watching that in the future, but guys, I think it's time to wrap it up for this week. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh, ladies and gentlemen, until next week, this has been CJ Mm -hmm. Newman and the fact.